the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Luke. God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life, but the truth is we're all separated from God. And then, number three, it's important to realize that Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. So if man's sin has separated us from God, how do we bridge the gap? The answer is Jesus. He's the only provision for someone to come to know God in a personal way. And John 14, 6 makes it clear. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. As a believer, you're called to share the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But sometimes it's hard to know what to say. You might think you need a theological degree to get it right. Pastor Gary will be talking about what the gospel message is in his teaching today, and he'll share with you how easy it can be to understand. He'll remind you of the reason every person is separated from God and what God did to change that. As you begin to grasp the message, share it with someone else. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Luke chapter 10 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. When Isaiah says, I'm unworthy, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, I live among a people of unclean lips, until verse 8 when he says, send me, is the scene where God dispatches an angel with a coal from the altar to touch the lips of Isaiah. In other words, it's this picture of the purifying work of God in the life of Isaiah to prepare him to go. And the fact is that now we have a greater purification through Christ on the cross. So that, in other words, though we are all unworthy in the truest sense of the word, because we're born into sin, we're sinful people, we're corrupt by nature. When you come to faith in Christ, through faith in Jesus, He purifies us, He cleanses us, He takes the unrighteous and makes us righteous before God. So therefore now, though we acknowledge there's nothing really worthy, I'm a sinner, but I'm saved through grace, and because I'm saved through grace, because of what Jesus has done... Now here I am, Lord, send me. Don't think to yourself, I'll go when I get my act together. (laughs) When will that be? I mean, have you ever looked in the mirror and thought to yourself, I've got my act together? (laughs) Yes, I do. You know one of those things? No. We're all in process. We're all in the journey. You're saved. That's an instantaneous decision, and that is granted to you by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the life of living for Christ is a journey and there will be some bumps in the road and there will be some failure and there's going to be some sin to repent of and there's going to be some times that you go through some difficulties too. Look, all of those things 
don't disqualify you. All those things ultimately prepare you to relate to other people who are going through life just like you. So go. Don't wait. Go. Now, the third thing, though, that he adds here is beware. Beware because you're going into a hostile world. And that's why he adds there in verse 3, I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. I mean, we, we just have to recognize that sometimes where we go and how we share our faith and when we talk about Jesus, it won't be received by everybody with cheer. It just won't. There's going to be some people that are offended. There's going to be some people that push back, that feel like you're intolerant. You start talking about Jesus is the only way to be saved. You can have a lot of people that think that's intolerant, bigoted. How can you possibly say such a thing? Don't all paths lead to God. And you start talking truth and speaking truth, even as gently and lovingly as you should, and we should try to do that always. There will be some people who find it offensive, intolerant, and all this kind of stuff, and they'll get hostile. You start talking about Jesus, there's going to be some people who you'll just encounter hostility. Jesus warns us, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. You know the typology, right? The picture is wolves are are enemies of lambs. Wolves kill lambs. Wolves shred lambs apart. Wolves attack. So you're going to go out into a world that not everybody will receive you. But then he goes on here to give some instructions about that so that we would be prepared for this kind of thing. And he adds there, number four, be dependent upon God as you go and share. That's why he says there in verse four, do not take a purse or bag or sandals. You know, just be completely dependent materially and spiritually and every other way on the Lord. Don't take anything. Just go. So in that sense, what he's saying is just be dependent upon me. And, and here's a great verse to remind us of our dependence. In Mark 13, verse 11, uh, Jesus says, Do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at that time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. There will be times when you will experience that dependency upon the Lord just because you will find the Holy Spirit will give you the right words you're going to say. He's going to open up the right doors, the right opportunities for you to just share about the good news of Jesus. And so just be dependent upon him in every way and let the Lord use you as a vessel. Now, he adds, I just want to clarify at the end of verse 4 because it sounds a little unkind. He says, do not greet anyone on the road. Okay. Sometimes you got to understand context here, okay? So what does that mean? You know, you're, well, I'm supposed to go share my faith or I'm supposed to at least be a vessel that God uses, but I'm not supposed to say hi to anybody along the way? Okay, so there's a Yiddish word for that. The Yiddish word is schmooze, okay? It is really a Yiddish word. It comes uh, from the Hebrew schmut. Don't schmooze, don't schmut. In other words, don't just be lollygagging like, hey, how's it going? Yo, what's up? Hey, how's it going? What did you tweet today? Hey, like me on Facebook. You know, it's not, don't go around just schmoozing and lollygagging. In other words, he's saying, don't take time just to be distracted by schmoozing with people. Get to work. This is serious stuff. So that's what he means there. Now, he talks here in verses... um, five down really through the end of it, verse 12, where we stopped reading, he basically is saying this in a nutshell, number five on your list. Some will welcome you, others will reject you. Just get ready for that. And he says, basically, don't let their rejection stick to you. That's what he means about wipe the dust off your feet. 
The towns and the houses that refuse to hear and reject, the people that don't want what you have to offer them, don't let that stick to you. Wipe the dust off of your feet. Because in essence, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God. Don't take it personally. If you, if you take every encounter that you have with people in regards to sharing your faith personally, you're either going to get puffed up like you did a great work because now, look, I got somebody saved. Or you're going to take it really personally the other way. Look, nobody, I can't share my faith. Everybody rejects me. and I'm never going to do this again. And, and all that kind of stuff. So Jesus is saying here, listen, just don't take anything personally. This is the work of God. If people get saved, you're just the vessel. God is the one who gets people saved, not you or me. And if they reject you, they're not really rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Okay? So where you go, let your peace go with you to whatever house. And if there's a person of peace there, if somebody receives what you're saying, then the peace of the Lord will come upon them. If, if they reject you, then... Take your peace back and be on your way and trust God to do his good work in the lives of those people. You know, we can only do our part. And by the way, sometimes our part is just to plant the seed. And someone else is going to come along and water. And God gives the increase. This is what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, which I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So let me just summarize these five points now. I want to tarry here just a little bit longer in this whole idea of evangelism, sharing your faith, because I know from talking to enough people just how uncomfortable this is for some people. So what I want to do now is just share basically with you what is commonly referred to as the four spiritual laws. I want everybody to understand this. This might be very elementary for some of you. I get that. But for the sake of everybody else that may not know this, this is important ground to cover. Everybody needs to get this. So I'm going to just briefly share four spiritual laws. How do you share your faith and kind of disarm some of the fears and apprehension so we can kind of understand what God is up to through us, okay? So very basic four spiritual laws. And and this is not anything I came up with. In fact, I think it was actually Bill Bright who came up with this, Campus Crusade for Christ. The danger in sharing the four spiritual laws, some people refer to as the four spiritual flaws, is that you kind of put the gospel into a formula. That's not the intent. If you look at it that way, then you'll see it as flawed. If you just look at it in terms of, help me understand the basic premise behind why somebody needs Christ, you have to get that first before you can ever really share your faith. So first things first. First of the four spiritual laws is this. Understand that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. When you're thinking about sharing your faith with somebody else, you have to go in with this mindset that you have to help them and understand that God loves them and God has a plan for their lives. That's what John 3.16 is all about. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God loves you and God has a great plan for you. And by the way, if you don't know Christ as your Savior... This is for you directly. So please hear this tonight. God loves you, has a plan for your life. But number two, man is sinful and separated from God. So Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, there's a perfect standard that God has. None of us measures up to it. Don't kid yourself, none of us does. Every single one of us knows our own heart. Even somebody who's not a Christian will at least say they're not a perfect person. Everybody I know will say that. Well, I'm not a perfect person. 
They'll start to compare themselves to help them feel better, which is a grave mistake. You know, I'm not Hitler. You know, I'm not an axe murderer. Great, that's wonderful, okay? Because we don't really want you around us if you're an axe murderer. But still, you need Jesus. Uh, Either way, but somebody else is going to share Christ with you, not me. But anyhow, so, no, but seriously, everybody knows I'm not a perfect person, though they'll play the comparison game, okay? So that's important to understand. That's the second of the spiritual laws. First, God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life, but... The truth is, we're all separated from God. And then, number three, it's important to realize that Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. So if man's sin has separated us from God, how do we bridge the gap? The answer is Jesus. He's the only provision for someone to come to know God in a personal way. And John 14, 6 makes it clear. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. This is where it gets a little difficult for some people to embrace because Jesus didn't say, I'm one of many ways, I'm a way. Along the way, he said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's non-negotiable. The only way to get saved is Jesus. Now, at this point, when some people balk and say, well, you know, this is the problem with you Christians. You're so narrow-minded, you only think there's one way. Here's what I try to help people understand. Think about a horrible disease like cancer or AIDS, something like that. If you're some great scientist and you came up with a cure, I mean a legitimate cure, take this pill and AIDS is eradicated. Take this pill and cancer is eradicated. I guarantee you, nobody, if they had AIDS or cancer, would be asking you, is there another pill? If they saw how desperate their situation was, and realized that this was the cure, they would run to you. They would beat down the door of every hospital to get that cure. So it is important for us to help people to understand their condition necessitates a Savior. So try not to look at the way as a problem. I don't have a problem with God saying there's one way. I'm glad He made a way. Amen? And a way is the way, and it's Jesus... So help people to understand their desperate need, much like you would, here's the cure for something that is killing you, and then people would be more willing to rush to receive it. But fourthly, the fourth spiritual law is, we need to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to be saved. John 1, 12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become sons of God, children of God. Acts 4, 12 says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved. And that's Jesus. So it's really this simple. God loves us, has a wonderful plan for our lives, but sin has separated us from God. We're all sinners. So Jesus Christ dies on the cross to save us. He bridges the gap between a pure God and sinful humanity. And therefore, number four, we need to receive Christ as our Savior. Those, are the four, that's, those four spiritual laws basically communicates the human need for a Savior. That is the plan of the gospel in a nutshell. Now, when we go sharing this, one of the beautiful things about helping people to understand their need for Christ is your story. If you are a Christian, you know Christ is your Savior. The best way to communicate this basic understanding of the gospel is your own story. And nobody can take that away from you. That is your story. They may not like it, but that is your story. 
And you can insert yourself in all of those four laws. You can talk about how there was a day in my life when I realized how much God loved me. I didn't really accept it or understand it at first, but slowly I began to realize how much he loved me. And I recognized my own sinfulness because I'm not perfect. Nobody is. I trusted Christ as my Savior, that he's the only way to be saved. And I invited him into my heart. And then you share. You share your story. Here's a beautiful thing about evangelism or you know, sharing your faith. There's a verse. It's 1 Peter 3, uh, verse 15, that says this. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Let me read it again. It's 1 Peter 3.15. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Peter's telling us basically three things in sharing your faith. First of all, be an example. He's implying here that the way you live is in such a way that it will light a fire under people to ask you. That's what he says here. Always be prepared to give an answer for those who ask you for the reason that you have this hope. There should be something about our lives that is an example that ignites people out of curiosity. What is different about you? So that's one thing he says, be an example. The second thing he says is, be an expression. Express. Always be ready to give an answer. Express here what it is that you have that they need. And then thirdly, give an explanation. Be an example, give an expression, and finally give an explanation for the hope that you have. So I say this because let that take some of the pressure off. Sometimes when we think about evangelism and sharing our faith and being a witness, we we think of it as, uh, i got to be like a used car salesman. Okay, Now, no offense to you who are here as used car salesmen. Uh, But you know how it is. Like If you're walking through a car lot, and it could be a new car salesman too, for that matter, and you're going and you're just kind of shopping around, you're sticker shopping, you're looking at cars and you're walking through a car lot and all of a sudden, you know, you barely get out of your car and you, and you approach the window to look at the sticker and all of a sudden, zoom, where'd you come from? Hello, can I help you? Do you want to test drive? You know, all this kind of stuff. And you're just like, whoa, I just am trying to read the fine print here on the window. Give me some breathing room, please. And some of you think that you need to be a witness like that. You know, like somehow you got to, okay, if I really love people, I'm going to pounce on them like a leopard. You need Jesus. You know, and I, just relax. Nobody, nobody wants that. Okay? Even the most desperate person who doesn't even know they need Christ doesn't need that. Now, having said that, okay, if you have the zeal, Let's just be real. Some people, I'm just talking in general, personality right now, some people are 150-watt people. You know those people? They're 150 watts, okay? They're just, you know, they're like, they're glowing crazy. And some of you are 40-watters. Just a little dimmer, a little quieter, okay? And you know who you are, and some of you are somewhere in between. So there's 150-watt people, and there's 40-watters. And the 150-watts are like shining the light. Woo, it's, you know, it's a, and it's a spotlight. It's like, you need Jesus. Okay, you need to get saved now, and if you don't, you're going to hell. You know, and, oh, whoa, turn it down. 
Well, the 40 water is, you know, on the other extreme. It's like, you know, I, I have something to tell you. I, uh, maybe tomorrow, you know, and, <laughs> and, and let's get at least to like 60 watts. Can we try somewhere in the middle where you're not like overwhelming people with the gospel, but you aren't shy about it either and trying to avoid the whole thing? So the beauty is of 1 Peter 3.15, and it takes the pressure off of us to have to just be this you know, salesman, like, I'm just going to, I got to close the deal, is live your life in a way that people will actually be drawn to you. It takes the pressure off, doesn't it? In the sense of having to, like, close the deal. You just live for Christ. You be an example of Jesus. People will start asking you. And that's the best open door. Because when they start asking you, now the door is wide open. You didn't go kicking that door down. They started asking you questions. Now, if they don't like what you have to say, okay, but at least you weren't the one who was so aggressively, you know, trying to share that it becomes a big turnoff. Just live your life in such a way that you will draw the questions. People will come to you. They will start asking. Then you share with them your story. That's an important distinction. And when you start sharing your story, here's another bit of advice. When you're talking about eternal life and you're talking about heaven, this advice is from Charles Spurgeon. When he was teaching his students, the great 19th century preacher, when you are sharing about heaven, let your face be beaming with joy and excitement. When you talk about hell, your regular face will do. (laughs) That's what he said. So when you're talking about heaven, actually look like you look forward to going there, okay? Let people see the joy of the Lord on your face, heaven, eternity, forgiveness of sins, Jesus dying on a cross. Share that with great joy, but live your life in such a way that people will be drawn to you and ask you, ask you. You don't have to always go kicking doors open. Let them ask, rather, and then you be prepared to reply and respond. The other important things about all of this is rely on the Holy Spirit, because this is not about your skill. This is not about how good you are with words. This is not about how much scripture you've memorized. This is really about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit working through you. And if you are just an available vessel that says, Lord, You know, here I am, send me. I just want to be used by you. I just want you to open up the doors. I want you to cause people to ask. I want you to bring about the opportunities. I don't want to force this. I feel like I don't always know what to say, how to say it. I don't know enough scripture verse. And just, you pour your heart out to the Lord like that and say, Lord, I'm just an empty vessel. I want you to pour through me in the lives of other people. I'm available. Use me. Then rely on the Holy Spirit and let him do his good work through you. Don't take this all on yourself like, I've got to be the best communicator. I've got to get this whole plan down. I've got to, you know, it might be good for you to just kind of, in practical terms, kind of work through your testimony. Think about the short version, you know, and how you can share your faith with people. But beyond that, don't labor over how skilled or not you are, how eloquent, how much scripture you Just allow the Holy Spirit to use you. You will be amazed. And you'll stand back. See, that's when God gets all the glory. Because when you stand back and you realize, wow, that person just received Christ, and I feel like I blundered through everything I just said. Well, that's just testimony that the Holy Spirit was at work. And that's the beauty of it. See, then God gets the glory. Open, open, open. 
The Gospel of Luke takes a unique look at the life of Christ, from His birth to His ministry, His death and resurrection. Luke described Jesus as the Son of Man, one of his favorite ways to refer to Himself. Jesus was God in human form, showing all of us what it means to live a completely sinless life. There was no fault to be found in Him, yet Jesus was still nailed to a cross. But His death had purpose too. He stood in for you, taking the punishment your sin deserves. And then he rose from the grave, conquering death and the evil one. What an amazing Savior this Son of Man truly is. Are you interested in knowing more about Jesus, or would you like someone to pray with you? If so, please email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Do you live in or near Leesburg, Virginia? If so, we invite you to come join us this Sunday for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship at Cornerstone Chapel. Find out service times and more information when you visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You'll also find previous messages from Pastor Gary and be able to download our mobile app. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know